Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC, and also Light 100.5 WRCH. We're going to be talking all about hospitals this morning, particularly their finances and how they're doing since the COVID pandemic has started. Our guest this morning is Paul Kidwell, Senior Vice President of Policy at the Connecticut Hospital Association. Paul, it's a pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Morgan, and I appreciate you uh, taking some time to, to chat about hospitals on a, on a, uh, in the morning. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. And, you know, I don't want to dig too much into the specifics, but I do want to get a, an overall overview of where hospitals are here in the state of Connecticut financially. I know that there are challenges. I know that there are also some good bits of news as well. But let's just start off with an overall summary of what the financial report released earlier this week showed um, about how hospitals have been doing the last three years here in Connecticut. Yeah, so our uh, the report that you referenced that we uh, released earlier this week shows that, uh, you know, unfortunately, 2022 was the worst year financially for Connecticut hospitals since the beginning of the pandemic. And, and we know going into the pandemic in, in, in 20, you know, 2019, early 2020, that hospitals uh, and health systems were in a fairly um, uh, decent <clears throat> financial position going into the, the, the pandemic. And we know, you know from our experience in the pandemic that that was really important to the success we had as a state in uh, in really meeting the challenge of the pandemic. So if you remember about, you know, some three years ago now, back in in uh, March of, of 2020, hospitals across the state were able to basically um, uh, turn all of their attention to pandemic response. You know, uh, treating uh, in the early days COVID-19 patients, sort of understanding the treatment that they needed, and then really being able to withstand wave after wave um, of those patients. And then also um, managing through the significant increased expenses that came along uh, with, uh, with the pandemic. So you'll recall getting PPE uh, was extremely uh, tough and prices were increasing uh, pretty significantly. Um, we, we had to start slowing down um, uh, you know, non-urgent procedures um, because we needed to uh, really uh, handle and treat those COVID patients. So 
it was really important that we were in a, a, a sort of a, 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 a pretty good financial spot. Now, three years later, we're seeing really uh, significant expenses that are uh, continuing to increase. Our, our certainly revenue has not uh, kept pace. And we're seeing significant uh, workforce issues that are uh, exacerbating all of this. So it's a challenging time financially for, for hospitals and health systems across the state. I know that a number of organizations and companies and even state agencies had money set aside for essentially a rainy day. And, you know, were hospitals like that? Did they have money stashed away in case there was a major public health emergency or some other kind of crisis to affect hospitals, in this case, COVID-19 in 2020. So were they able to have money set aside initially for an emergency like that, that maybe has been depleted or hurt over the last three years? Yeah. So, and that's um, what hospitals and health systems plan for on on an annual basis is if they can make uh, a slim margin, so um, you know, uh, you know, a couple percentage margin. They not only can um, reinvest in in the services they're providing, expand the services they're providing, but they can also be prepared for those things that are unexpected. And um, and so, going into the pandemic, they were able to use um, that uh, sort of stronger financial position to 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 meet the need. That is very different than where, where we are today. So if you look across the state, um, you know, hospitals across the state collectively had about a negative 1% margin in 2022. What about inflation in the last year that has gotten particularly bad? You know, you guys were still dealing with COVID, although not quite like we were in 2020 about a year ago. But then inflation comes, and it seems like it's been one costly thing after another. It, you know, just like, um, you know, uh, families across Connecticut have experienced inflation in their own household budgets, um, hospitals experience uh, similar inflationary impacts. It's been extraordinary. So our expenses are $3.5 billion higher than the pre-pandemic levels, mainly driven by inflation. So uh, that has affected medical supplies, pharmaceuticals, uh, energy, um, all those costs that go into um, providing that service uh, to patients, all of it has increased. And, um, you know, while inflation may have abated or at least leveled off a bit, we're still seeing pretty record levels of inflation, um, you know, sort of uh, than we've seen in, in, in decades past. So, it's a, it's a significant risk uh, if, if inflation continues uh, as it has. Um, we're going to continue to see these expenses rise. Well, as you mentioned just a few minutes ago, hospitals saw price increases even before widespread inflation that affected Connecticut and United States residents and businesses across the board. But also, you think back to 2020, there's a rush to get PPE and cleaning products and even equipment in some cases, and those costs went through the roof, right? Absolutely. Um, through the roof. I mean, it, not only could you not find them, but when you were able to, uh, the, the price of, those, uh, of that medical equipment and, 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 and medical goods um, were, were significantly higher than we had ever experienced in the past. At, a, at the same time where your revenues um, uh, have either been depressed because uh, in those early days of COVID, um, you had really restricted other types of services. 
Um, or in our case now, um, you know, we, we have a very inelastic um, revenue stream. So our government payers, Medicare and Medicaid, we don't negotiate rates with the, with the state or with the federal government. They tell us what they're going to pay for those services. And we renegotiate uh, with the private commercial insurance companies, um, uh, not on an annual basis, but on a three to five year basis. So our contracts are, are set. Now, at, you know, uh, when your contracts are set for revenue, but your expenses are increasing, um, uh, you know, every month, not, it, let alone every year, um, you can see how that could get you in some pretty significant financial trouble quickly. What was the role of extra government money that the federal government passed within the first month of COVID back in 2020? How did that affect hospitals? Uh, so that was uh, extraordinarily helpful. Uh, without that, without those resources, um, we will we would have been seeing um, significantly larger um, losses than than we did, especially in in 2021. Um, so that 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 assistance was critical to sustaining the the, the hospital system in Connecticut and across the country. Now that, that money is, is gone. Um, you know, those, those funds are, are not available any longer that, and we don't anticipate that the federal government is going to be providing any additional assistance in that way. Um, although we're, we're, we're seeking it. Um, and so we're in a different, uh, period now where we know that, uh, that, that real vital source of federal dollars is, is no longer available. What about patients being seen more and being seen longer when they actually do go to a hospital or even a doctor's appointment? But hospitals in particular, they are seeing patients on average staying longer now. Is that a shift in illnesses? Is that a shift in response? What's going on there? Sure. And some of it is a result of, and if you, if you listen to our, uh, our, our clinical um, uh, officials at the hospitals, they'll tell you some of this is remnant of individuals during that real height of the COVID uh, time, um, not seeking that regular source of care. So, uh, you know, we see conditions that may have gone undiagnosed. And, and now as individuals feel more comfortable coming back uh, to seek care, either in their physician's office or at the hospital, we're seeing that some of those conditions um, require more medical attention that they, uh, than they otherwise would have. Or in an individual with a chronic condition, uh, you know, who, who may have ha- foregone a little bit of care over that time, now they're coming back for care and uh, that's, uh, that's requiring, uh, you know, longer lengths of stay. And, and you know, it, it, I think you know, and the listeners probably say, well, well, why does that affect the financial health of your hospital if people are staying there longer? And it's a, it's a little counterintuitive, but to the extent uh, we have individuals in the hospital who are staying, staying longer, you know, hospitals get paid uh, for a, a sort of one length of stay. It's, a, it's a, usually a, a lump sum amount for, for caring for that individual. And, um, and so w- the resources required to care for someone in a longer period of time often are, are outpace what the, you know, what we're being paid for that care. Additionally, um, it, it really, for, from a patient care perspective, begins to, um, you know, back up our, our, our places like the emergency department. And I'm sure, you know, listeners 
if you've been in the in a hospital emergency department recently, probably experienced that where um, because, uh, you know, individuals in the hospital are staying longer means that someone in the emergency department who may need a hospital bed upstairs in the hospital, we can't get them uh, there uh, as quickly as we would like because we have patients who are, are, are in the hospital, you know, longer or who we can't get into a nursing home because they're experiencing similar workforce issues uh, that we are. What about utilities and the effect that increased utilities, speaking with Paul Kidwell, Senior Vice President of Policy at the Connecticut Hospital Association, uh, you, you know, people are saying that their bills have gone up for electricity and other utilities as well, water, and hospitals sure do go through a lot of electricities, and you have a lot of machines helping people and surgeries and lights and yeah. all of that. How have utilities played a role in increased costs? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, um, I, I often, we often say that hospitals can be sort of aggregators of cost, and certainly utilities and, uh, is, is, a, is a, one of those costs where, you know, we don't control those costs. It's, uh, we have to, like you said, we, we use a great deal of energy um, to provide the care, and um, that just that goes into that cost base, um, sort of adding, adding in those uh, additional dollars that, either haven't been budgeted for or, or we're not able to, to sort of recruit through revenue. So it's, it's absolutely up there with uh, medical supplies and pharmaceuticals as one of the prime, uh, uh, prime generators of cost. It doesn't seem like the answer to the question I'm about to ask is yes, but I do have to ask, is it foreseeable that hospitals are going to be able to renovate, whether it is to uh, maybe adopt greener forms of electricity, such as solar or wind or something like that, um, to help offset the higher cost of utilities, or perhaps to add more rooms and beds, um, maybe cut down on ER times by adding more capacity to take in more patients, or is it financially not possible at this time for many of the hospitals in Connecticut? So I think it's a, it's a, it's a continual opportunity to assess um, one, uh, you know, what is the community need and how can we, how can we meet it? But I think you're keying in on one of the, the, um, concerns about having an industry in financial distress, which is, can we respond to those needs? Can you expand uh, capacity to meet that need? Can you put more services into the community? So people have, um, sort of closer access, uh, to the, to the care they require. You, you know, we're always assessing um, our ability to uh, to meet those demands, and that's ongoing. You know, some of the investments we make um, are long uh, planned out, and, and we want to per- continue to pursue those. But um, when you're losing such significant amounts of, of money every every year, you do have to start thinking about um, where those future investments can and should be made. Um, you know, when you noted around, you know, adding beds, I think one of the things that um, is top of mind is the workforce and the ability to attract uh, and hire, you know, that, that skilled clinical labor. And I'll tell you, it's pretty tough right now. You know, across the state, we have around 2,000 open uh, nursing positions, and it's difficult to find uh, nurses in, in, in Connecticut right now. Um, and so that that, you know, comes into play as well as we think about uh, how can we uh, expand that care. When we talk about 
adding more nurses and hiring more nurses. Obviously, there's a shortage not just here in Connecticut, but across the country. There are also travel nurses and agencies, but again, only so many of those to go around. Does that result in more money being paid to nurses and people who are being hired to be part of the staff if there's a shortage? You know, Are you paying these people more and the money isn't there? What's going on with that issue? Sure. So it's uh, it, certainly over the last uh, three years, we have increased um, uh, salaries and benefits to attract uh, more uh, clinical staff and non-clinical staff alike and retention bonuses and signing bonuses, et cetera. It also means we have had to expend far more dollars on on, as you noted, uh, those travel nurses, and for folks who don't potentially know what that is, it's uh, you know temporary nurses that come in on a on a sort of finite contract, and they usually work for a travel company um, that that the hospitals pay um, for the for that nursing services on a temporary basis. Those uh, costs, you know, have have increased. Uh, for our hospitals, you know, over over 500, you know, million dollars, um, and so, you know, you do what you can because we need to make sure that we're, uh, you know, safely staffing and making sure we can provide that that clinical care. But uh, on staffing, you know, we need to look at the long game. We, you know, as a state, need to invest in more opportunities for education for nurses. Um, in, in making sure that we have that the the, edu- the, the, the teachers available to to train those nurses because uh, this problem with with nursing especially is not going to go away without um, some real intervention. I've heard a number of problems regarding nursing and maybe why people are leery of going into it. You've got long hours, 12-hour shifts. There has been a lot of talk in the news and elsewhere among burnout in the industry because of the COVID pandemic being very difficult on nurses. I don't even know if it is a financial problem um, or, or what messaging would have to be changed to get more people into the very important work of nursing and, as you've mentioned, skilled clinical care. Do you have any idea what could be done about that? Yeah, we do. I think, uh, you know, um, uh, we certainly acknowledge that the past three years has been very difficult on hospital staff generally. Um, uh, tons of long hours, um, you know, um, being short staff. It's, it's difficult. That said, uh, I think we're in a time where uh, we're thinking about what are the, how do you form a clinical team to, to offer the best care? How can you reduce burden on, uh, you know, nursing so that um, they're spending less time in, in, in inputting information into a chart or, or can you provide some uh, assistance um, uh, with other trained staff to help take off some of the, the, the burden uh, of the daily the t- daily tasks that th- that we're asking them to do, um, you know, but but really trying to understand those new models of care that help reduce uh, the burden and stress that they're feeling today, so that they can um, really focus in on what they were trained to do, which was is provide that real bedside uh, care to patients using you know their their uh, their uh, their training. Um, and so, I, you know, I think there, there are lots of ways uh, that we are working to make sure that the environment in which they work is, uh, is supportive and um, fulfilling. Um, and I, you're right, it's not all financial. It, it, much of it is, is that work. What about our comparison 
to the situation going on regionally and nationally or even internationally when it comes to the financial state of hospitals. Is Connecticut in line? Is Connecticut worse mm-hmm. off? Yeah, so uh, you, you, the, whole, the whole nation, you know, hospitals across the nation are certainly feeling um, uh, similar of financial effects to, to Connecticut hospitals. Unfortunately, what we found in our study is that Connecticut hospitals are doing uh, somewhat worse than, than our peer hospitals a- across the country. You know, some of that is because we have really taken the brunt of the COVID pandemic over the last three years. You know, we experienced pretty significant wave after, after wave. Um, some of that is because we have a, a, a workforce that is uh, slightly older than uh, the national average. And so we have um, some specific workforce challenges that, that we certainly need to um, to, 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 to work through. Um, you know, but we, we, we are doing, uh, you know, slightly worse uh, if you look, um, across the country. Paul Kidwell is the senior vice president of policy at the Connecticut Hospital Association. He's our guest this morning on Face Connecticut. You know, Paul, we are in the middle of the 2023 legislative session. Is there anything coming out of the legislative session that the Connecticut Hospital Association would like to see passed that might help hospitals in this situation? Yeah, thanks for asking. And we are uh, we are right in the middle of that session, and we've uh, w- you know we're talking uh, directly with state uh, legislative uh, leaders and um, uh, about the things that we think could be helpful. Uh, number one is assistance with our workforce, and that's one some financial assistance directly to hospitals to help us uh, retain uh, that workforce um, and to really uh, manage through these significant costs that we've been talking about this morning. Um, But two, a real emphasis on um, investments in our state colleges and universities um, to train the healthcare workforce of the future, to to invest in our workforce boards across the state to do those, um, you know, the the certificate programs um, that train the, 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 the staff that, you know, we need to, to get these hospitals uh, providing good patient patient care. So, uh, you know, workforce is uh, is really front and center and in and, and assistance uh, to that end. The other is, um, you know, we think that there are some really promising pieces of legislation that would uh, start to address some of the real abuses of the prior authorization process that health insurance companies use um, in our mind to, to delay uh, needed care. And I think your listeners probably have some experience with trying to get a, a medical procedure or some care than having to you know, work through a, a pretty uh, arbitrary and antiquated prior authorization process with their, with their health insurance company. So we're, we're excited about uh, working uh, on that issue as well. Last question, because we are running low on time, Paul, and I really appreciate your added insight this morning on Face Connecticut. Is there any possibility, because of the financial situation, that things might have gotten so bad that we might start to see hospital closures, maybe um, certain services will be stopped at certain sites, or perhaps ownership changes? Is any of that on the table at this time? 
Yeah, so we're, you know, tomorrow or the next day, we don't anticipate any hospital, hospital closures. And um, our hospitals are doing their best to manage through this exceedingly difficult financial situation. Um, our, our report really was to sound that alarm, though, to make people aware. Here's where hospitals are. So we certainly today, tomorrow, don't anticipate a hospital closure. I think hospitals, um, as they do routinely, are thinking about uh, what the future financially looks like. And what does that mean for, uh, for, for services in the community? I think the real challenging uh, part of that is uh, in, in, our, in one of the, the, the hospital representatives this week said it, said it best, you know, our communities are telling us they want more services in the community. They need us to do more at a time when we're looking at uh, negative margins and, uh, and huge increases in expenses and trying to figure out how do we offer the community what they need in a, at a time when we might not have the financial wherewithal to do that. So, um, you know, we wanted to, th- th- our report this week was to sound that alarm, make sure people were aware. Um, and, you know, we think we can get through it together, but it's going to take some, some assistance uh, from, from the state as well. Paul, I really appreciate your time this morning. Any final thoughts? We are there for our communities, and we're just so appreciative that our communities have been there for us. And uh, we're here to provide excellent patient care, and, and, and that's what we're excited to do. All right. Thank you, Paul. We'll do another update down the line. I appreciate it. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.